welcome to Learn It From Layman. I'm Carl Christensen, here with Cameron Christensen and Tim Cox, also back again. I have no witty <laughs> insults for you today, Tim. I'm glad, because I had no witty comebacks. Well, good. We're just completely out of wit. Probably going to be uh, a sign of a good podcast to come. That's right. Well, I think it'll be a recurring theme. A lack of wit. Okay, well, today we're going to be discussing uh, swimming. And as a little bit of background, uh, Cameron and I are less of laymen here. Um, Though, to be fair, I think we now qualify as laymen again, because Cameron and I are not in the swimming scene and haven't been for quite a while now. But both of us have been both uh, in the swimming scene competitively and in the job market for swimmers uh, here a long time ago. So we have uh, some professional experience to some degree. Uh, and so Tim is going to be our layman. Um, and uh, we... Even though I have uh, participated in multiple competitive swims. I <laughs> don't think you can call it. I don't know participated once. is the right verb. <laughs> Uh, participated is probably the only I right survive. <laughs> survive might be the, uh... well even that's a questionable I mean although I did survive it does suggest that you had a hand in you know the action of surviving but uh, in any case well li- needless to say I am truly a layman on this topic uh, true I've I have seen it <laughs> um, okay Well, we're going to go ahead and get started right at the beginning, and literally mean at the beginning. This is one place where I think Cameron uh, will also qualify as a layman, because I did until I did the research on it. Um, We want to go the history of swimming. All right, so when did people start swimming competitively? What is the the history of swimming, period? Well, I think think swimming started when uh, the caveman needed to get away from the crocodile that was coming for us. <laughs> I think that's, that's when right. that first competition really started. Right <laughs> and it was quite competitive, right? <laughs> kind of a winner take all. Yeah. It's a crocodile at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So uh, in that sense, yes. So there are cave paintings of uh, people swimming from like 9000 BC or whatever. So we're talking. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Yeah. So this is something that man has done since the beginning of time, and obviously, I mean... One of. might even say the beginning of birth, because, you know, that little baby fetus... Yeah, you're in. swimming in utero. That's right. Yeah. Lots uh, of laps. <laughs> Not a lot of distance, though. Pretty good flip turn. That's right. <laughs> um... But yeah, okay. So man has been swimming since the beginning. But let's go. Let's go more recent history. Let's look at just competitively. The, yeah, like like swimming as we currently know it, with like yeah. different strokes swimming for certain distances for time yeah. and doing yeah, kind of doing thing. it for time, doing it versus other people for fun. You know, for you know, like the like running is um, in most people's mind. I'll bet. I'll bet that kind of swimming is scarcely more than a hundred hundred years old. I'll bet that swimming was a kind of more or less a a casual or functional thing. You know, sailors had to learn how to swim in case they got tossed overboard, that kind of thing. Or, you know, kids would go and and play around in the water hole. But like actual 
you know, swimming for time, breaststroke, backstroke, you know, butterfly, freestyle, all that um, for specific distances. I'll bet it's hardly more than 100 years old. Maybe maybe around the same time as the modern Olympic, um, you know, uh, reincarnation. All right. How close am I? You you are pretty close. Um, it, it is a little bit older than that, um, but uh, so uh, England is credited with being the beginning of the country that that's kind of started competitive swimming, um, and so that was from my research sometime in the 1830s. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, so so it's a little bit older, but it it didn't really. Uh, there wasn't a lot going on um, until, yeah, it was included in the first Olympic Games, uh, the first modern Olympic Games. So around the turn of the century, it was very much um, the turn of the last century, meaning the 1800s to the 1900s. Um, uh, it was, yeah, it, it, it was in in full swing. It, multiple countries were participating. Um, and so uh, it, it, but yeah, 1830s when it kind of started, and, Brit- and Britain was kind of developing it. British people were developing different strokes uh, throughout those decades. Uh, by the time it was it was uh, formalized in the Olympics, there were mul- there were multiple strokes and uh, people competing from multiple countries. So, okay, Ooh. yeah. When was the first Olympics again? Like April sixth, eighteen ninety six. That sounds correct. Cool. I feel I like people it. helped that. <laughs> Karen just has it has a, a thing for dates. <laughs> is this uh is this what's his name from Jeopardy? Um, yeah, Mr. Jennings. Right. Uh, not not Ken Jennings, but the guy that's doing it right now. Oh yeah, the new guy. Yeah, you got to wager it all before you get a, a question like that, Cameron. In order to oh, okay, <laughs> daily double here. Okay, so that's the history. Let's not belabor the history of swimming because nobody cares. Uh, let's dig into the more practical. Um, so let's go with strokes first. So people know that there are different swimming strokes, but let's uh, let's um, go over the different swimming strokes and, and what they're used for and why they uh, what what uh, what's fast, what's slow. So Tim, give us the different swimming strokes, and then Cameron will correct you. Okay, so. First, there is the dog paddle, and its main function is to make you look helpless and pathetic in the water. So that's the one that you specialize in. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, one of many. I, I can use them all for that purpose, though. I, I actually have started calling it the Tim paddle. So. <laughs> hey, I, you know, I do have a lot in common with dogs. But, um, you're loyal. You're fluffy. Th- yeah, that's right. I'm loyal. I'm your best friend. I will beg for food at the table. Uh, I've been working on that. So, but anyways, no. So, so you get the, the dog paddle, which I don't think is technically even considered a stroke, but it's often the first thing that a, a beginning swimmer will use. You, you'll see a little kid, um, you know, in the water kind of using that to, to kind of stay afloat and slowly move to the edge of the pool. Um, so it's kind of a, a survival stroke, I suppose. And then, after that, you've got the, the, what in America we call the freestyle. I'm not sure if it's called that elsewhere. American freestyle, is that what it's called? Front call. Front crawl. The, the front crawl, okay. Which is, yeah, you're basic. You're on your stomach. You're, um, you're pulling yourself forward with your hands while your feet kick. 
and then you breathe to the side. Um, that's the fastest stroke, as I understand, and probably the most common. I, I know that in most swimming lessons, that's kind of what you're, they're teaching you to do. And then you've got all your, your other strokes. You've got the side stroke, which you do kind of on your side. Um, you've got the breast stroke, which is on your belly, but you kind of frog kick with it and your head pops out of the water facing forward and then you've got the backstroke which explains itself and finally the butterfly which as far as i can understand you kind of flail your whole body in the water and if you know how to do it you somehow move forward when i do it you just splash a lot and look like an injured whale do injured whales do the butterfly well I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of what they're doing. They're, you know, they're kicking their like tail fins up and down and going through the water and then they breach out of the water and spout and then go back down for more. I mean, they're certainly not doing the side stroke. <laughs> I guess it depends how injured they are. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, okay, that's, that's pretty good. Um, Cameron, anything to add? Um, the side stroke is also known as a recovery stroke. Um, oh, cause you can kind of breathe your heads out of the water. Well, that, and it's, um, very low action. Oh, okay. Um, then you have the elementary, um, backstroke or back crawl. Um, I think you could definitely add that to the list. I mean, there's definitely several, several strokes that we might skip. Um, yeah, but other than that, I think that's pretty much most of the strokes. Yeah, I think we got most cool. of them there. And, and the, uh, so the, so there are four competitive strokes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, that's going to be your front crawl usually. So in swimmer's terms, that's used, uh, synonymously with, uh, freestyle. Yeah. Uh, but it, as the name implies, freestyle is open to whatever you want to swim, the front crawl is the fastest, and so thus it becomes synonymous with freestyle because that is what you swim when you want Should to be the fastest. Yeah, for most people. Let's put that caveat in for most people. Uh, if you're a competitive swimmer, it almost uh, without question is the fastest. Even, let's say, Cameron, for example, who was a uh, butterfly specialist, you were a little bit faster with freestyle, I think, still. I was. I was still about a half a second faster with freestyle. Right. So, uh, you know, even for people that, that are that's better, about how much faster I am with the freestyle over the butterfly too. That, that unfortunately is true, Tim. Um, <laughs> it comments actually <laughs> more, negatively more comment on, on how bad my freestyle is. Then. Yeah. It's, it, it <laughs> reflects badly on all of your strokes. Um, <laughs> although if, I mean, it depends what we're doing. If we're doing like a 25, my butterfly was out par with my that's true. Uh, front yeah. crawl that's probably true um when we get to my turns is where you start to slow down a little bit right yeah so there are um differences in how yeah how you do turn uh, turns and pools um for butterfly for all the different strokes the turns can be are, are slightly different um but yeah this so the four competitive strokes being backstroke breaststroke freestyle and back uh and what did I say? Backstroke, breaststroke, freestyle, uh, and butterfly. There you go. Yeah. We need to um, change freestyle to a B letter so we can have perfect alliteration. No. Um, but the, uh, 
the the swimming comp- competition is also it incorporates all of those strokes. You can have specialists in each one of the strokes. Um, you also have people that uh, do all of them in competitively in a single race, and that's called a medley. Uh, and so that's a combination. Uh, so butterfly, backstroke, breaststroke, freestyle is usually the order of the the medley. Um, so. Um, Let's see. What so Tim commented on what's the fastest? We just had the discussion. What's the fastest, Cameron? What's the easiest stroke? And tell us a little bit about what makes uh, a stroke easy. I would Dog say pen. the easiest stroke would be um, side stroke or elementary backstroke. All right. I would say those are probably your two easiest. Um, basically, you just inflate your lungs with air. Very. Um, Simple strokes, um, sculling basically um, is what you you're might doing. want to explain sculling to you know those of us laymen who think you're talking about skeletons now. <laughs> um, that's, so, that's like gross. with side stroke, you just uh, bring your arms to opposite ends of your body and then pull them together and then go back. And when you're pulling them together. Um, you want to move your arms to where you're displacing the water the most, um, which gives you that drive forward, and then you do a light flutter kick. Um, elementary backstroke is another easy one, I would say, because basically you're just floating, and then you do a whip kick or a frog kick on your back, and your arms um, simulate um, essentially the same uh, motion that your legs do. Right. Yeah. So those those two strokes. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think everyone would agree. Anyone that swum is uh, those are the ones that you are uh, able to do, for, even if you're not a competitive swimmer, without any issue for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, a lot of it has to do with the fact that the arms aren't coming out of the water in either one. Um, and yeah, just the recovery is is very very simple. Um, uh, however, for competitive strokes, um, I think we're probably going to talk. I would argue that breaststroke is probably your, your easiest. Right, Cameron? I would, I would say definitely for competitive, breaststroke is the easiest. Um, well, I would say least energy expensive um, would be breaststroke. Right. Uh, yeah, because freestyle, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is just because that's what I learned. But that was always the easiest for me just because it's a simple concept. You know, breaststroke, you have to kind of time things and and whatever. With, with the forward crawl, you just, you know. Yeah, so, like, for us that swam, um, normally the, the stroke that you would switch to when you're feeling tired would be breaststroke which often is what you would consider kind of your easier stroke. Um, So, uh, but I I would also, I have known several good breaststrokers in my life and they, uh, it it is a, there's lots of little techniques that you can change to make it faster. And it is definitely a, a, a little bit more complicated stroke once you start to gain into the mechanics and getting faster and, uh, what's allowed and what's not allowed in competition and such. So for sure, yeah, it can be it can be complicated and and yeah, to say that it's the easiest is not to say that it's easiest to go fast in because I was not a competitive 
breaststroker either. And so I have uh, one of my best friends who was a competitive breaststroker, so he might take umbrage at the fact that I'm saying that it's easy. I don't mean that it's easy to go fast, but that it's easy if you're going to pick one of the strokes to swim slowly. It is uh, because of the underwater recovery and the fact that it's easier to get your head out of the water. Um, it is the one that is easiest to, uh, to, to go slowly at. Also so, most it, powerful it, to uh, throw that in there as well. Yep. So if you're like, say, pulling a truck or something underwater. You, know, you would be doing breaststroke. Th- yep. Okay. Good yeah. So I, I do also need to call out, Carl, that you use the phrase take umbrage. And... Um, that's uh anyways well i figured that people you know even the layman is familiar with uh that because of harry potter you know so i'm really talking talking <laughs> about right. professor, professor umbridge yeah that's so. right <laughs> but where did he put her after he took her well i don't know it's <laughs> uh i'm a layman i don't need to know that so. that's right that's the expert stuff yeah um Okay, so we're going to move on now from the, from the stroke uh, discussion. So those are the strokes. Uh, they were developed over time. I have heard some complaint that um, that swimmers get so many medals in the Olympics because there are so many different strokes, whereas runners, you just run. It's not like they, <laughs> it's not like you're racing the crab walk or something. You know? uh, oh, well, I mean, awesome. you but. Yeah, I, I guess we have different distances as well. So, I mean, I, I was going to say there's quite Here a few are, different they're distances. Here we are, lined up in the uh, 400 meters skip. And, uh, <laughs> so, hey, actually, I think... Been training in the skip for, you know, for years. <laughs> <laughs> there is, there is um, speed walking now, right? I feel at least... Uh, yes, I Olympics. believe they did bring back speed walking for this yeah. last Olympics. It was but gone for a really while. make things balanced, we need, we need, you know, the 1,600-meter backwards walk. You know? <laughs> now, backwards walking requires a very different technique from forwards walking. And really, there's a lot more that comes into play. You know, you can't look forward when you're backwards walking. Heel-toe, heel-toe, not toe-heel. Uh, I will attribute... The fact that there are so many different strokes in Olympics, uh, swimming strokes in the Olympics, to the fact that swimmers are just generally more intelligent and therefore know how to game oh. the system. So, uh-huh. you know what i I would like to see the um, the butterfly stroke actually done on the track because you could. It'd be like doing the worm forward, you know. <laughs> now that'd be cool. And here they go. They're off. Oh. A 15 no, meter butterfly really, it takes a toll on your chest <laughs> yeah that's right, right. Or, or even a medley where you know a guy will come butterflying along and then hand off the baton to someone who then does the uh the forward crawl yeah the forward crab right. yeah that's right there we go okay so moving on moving on uh now we're going to go to open water no, versus no let's dwell let's dwell on this let's not all uh, right move Open water versus pool swimming. Um, I have something to say about this. <laughs> okay, so yeah, generally, uh, these are um, you know, there's a lot of open water out there. There's 71 percent of the Earth uh, is covered in water, so um, and the Earth is a terrible, threatening, vicious place. Yes. So let's let's talk a little bit about what the differences are in open water versus pool, and what the benefits might be of each. Tim, give pool us... water. Okay. So think of it this way. In uh, a domesticated cat is a friendly, cur- you know, cuddly, furry little creature that'll curl up in your lap and purr. And you can pet it. And it's like, oh, I love cats. 
Um, and then you I, have I, your cats in the wild, you know, like lions, leopards, jaguars, and cougars who, you know, will stalk you, um, leap up behind you and, you know, cut off your windpipe and kill you and eat you. Um, this is kind of like pool water versus open water. Pool water is domesticated water. It's cuddly. It purrs when you jump into it, maybe. Um, kind of uh, don't overthink that metaphor. But, you know, it's your friend. And then open water is this prowling, vicious, you know, um, deadly force that, you know, lures you in and then attacks you and tries to kill you. So that's pretty much the difference in a nutshell. Okay. Um, Cameron, okay. give us the real um, insight of it. Tim is uh, afraid to so, give us. So, well, I think Tim is trying to say <laughs> um, in a pool, you do not have currents that you have to fight or un- under toes. Um, often when you're swimming in a pool, you have lane lines that are, you know, segregate to the lanes, but that also helps um, with splashes and waves, which makes an easier swim for the individual. Whereas in open water, you are fighting much more of the elements. You have waves you have to overcome, the the currents and such. So there is a lot more... um, that is needed. Also, other things that can uh, make open water swimming a little bit more difficult is water is not as clean in, you know, outside versus a swimming pool. If the swimming pool is properly cared for, I should say. Um, yeah. You know, you can see the bottom, you can see where you're going um, with your goggles and whatnot um, to see where you need to go versus in open water, uh, you need uh, slightly different. You have to look up occasionally to reorient yourself towards where you're you're heading uh, to make sure. It is very easy to drift in open water swimming, yeah. 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 And then water, uh, did you mention water temperature, open water? Uh, oh, mean yeah. The yeah. Temperature I mean, is a good deal colder. Generally, to be fair, that's uh, if you go open yeah. water swimming like in Tahiti or something, it's probably <laughs> in, in the <laughs> low 80s. So Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Okay. So and, and um, just to just to add some some of my personal so so you may deduce that I have some personal experience with this. I'm not a particularly strong swimmer, but I'm not you know I'm not helpless in the water. I know how to swim and and get around and stuff. And and so I've done a, a couple of a lifeguard so, that was uh, on the kayak would argue that your last. <laughs> but, uh, well, I'm getting to that. But, uh, are so, you so saying I've done you're a, much like the domesticated kitten in the water or the tiger in the water? I am pretty domesticated, I would <laughs> say. Spend most of my life in, you know, human society, most of it. So you're scared of the water and you don't like it? Well, let, let me just say it this way. I, I've done now two open water, you know, swims, like, you know, a, a competition. And they were both short, 400 meters. But... Um, Whereas I, I, you know, in my training in, you know, they don't have a lot of open water training opportunities here in, you know, the, the Phoenix metropolitan area. <laughs> so I, you know, did it a, would discourage training you from swimming in, in the canals. I definitely would agree with that. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then translating. So, so, you know, it, it, swimming in a pool, you can swim. You, if you need a breather, you know, you can go on your back, do some backstroke or whatever, and, and all the things that Cameron mentioned that you don't have to worry about. And then just going into open water swim, 
was uh, it just so for example the the most recent swim i did the water was pretty choppy and to the point where you know my my recovery time on my back i was just getting you know water waves of water washing over my face and <laughs> kind of took that out of place so all of a sudden you know i couldn't couldn't recover and it, so just things like that just make it much harder and then you know adding to that you're you're constantly trying to keep your your bearings um in the first open water swim i did i got turned around at one point and started swimming the wrong direction and i uh, had to get you know a guy on a kayak luckily came over and and straightened me out before too long so just it, it's it's challenging um yeah so it for sure open water swimming comes with a whole set of issues that you don't have in pool one way i don't think either of you mentioned but one that is a huge consideration i think for most non-swimmers is um you can't touch the bottom usually in open water swimming so if you want to pull out and say oh i'm t tired or something's gone wrong you can't all of a sudden just stand up where in most pool swims yeah, and, uh, and, and you can't and and in any pool swim, you're only a, a few meters or a few feet from the edge at any point. So if right. you cramp up or whatever, you can just kind of limp to the side and, and you're good. Or someone can come get you if you really need it. But yeah, in open water, yeah, you're once you're out there, you're out there. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, there are a couple of different sizes of pool swims, uh, pool pool sizes. There's 25 yards. To meters and 50 meters which is your normal olympic length but when you're going open water swimming you're usually more than 50 meters out away from the shore so um yeah i mean you're you're out on your own and uh so yeah all of those things that cameron and tim have mentioned to come into play um and that's why so we suggest here at uh, learn it from layman that always have someone in a watercraft next to you if you choose to do a an extended open swim yeah so especially sure. if you're a novice yeah <laughs> yeah I, i'd say you know start in the pool you gotta if you're not a strong swimmer don't try an open water swim um start become very comfortable in the water uh, swimming for extended periods of time in a pool before you uh, venture out into the open water and even when you do uh, yeah go with a partner go with uh, you can go I mean there are areas the beaches that are uh, have lifeguards that will be out there looking uh, making sure that but go with a, someone that you know as well so that there's multiple people that are aware of what you're doing um, and then yeah just make sure that you're doing something realistic you know don't go out there thinking I'm gonna swim a mile uh, the first time that you go out and open water to swim. So go out there. Also, we recommend water wings or, or maybe one of those little, you know, um, <laughs> goes around the waist type. Of, those are really nice. If you're the type of swimmer that Tim is, yes. I highly recommend flotation <laughs> devices. That's right. A boogie board maybe, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I personally love open water swims. Um, they are very therapeutic to me. You get out past the, the waves and you're just out there and you know, I, I so I swim multiple miles open water sometimes, and it Carl is also walks on broken glass for therapy. But you know, <laughs> it is very uh, serene. It is very, uh, it's just very otherworldly. And so, it's, uh, until I the shark it grabs your before. leg and pulls you <laughs> under. So I was actually going to mention shark attacks. Shark attacks <laughs> are a bit of a um, numbers game, right? You, I'm sure everyone knows the statistics that you're more likely to be struck by lightning than you are a shark attack or whatever. 
but that's a numbers game, right? Um, the longer you're in the water, your odds just keep going up. Where <laughs> lightning attacks don't aren't the same type of uh, you know numbers game. It's not like the more you're outside, the more likely you are to hit by be hit by lightning. Well, I mean. Okay, maybe to some extent that is true, but uh, the longer you are in the water, your odds go up more quickly than the the whole lightning scenario. I would agree with that. Or if you start walking around with a golf club in lightning storms, you're (laughs) going to be That's right. (laughs) I am quite certain there was a shark coming after me at my last lake swim. Yes, in the lake. Yes, exactly. Uh, I believe it was a carp. (laughs) A very large carp. Uh, Very large. So do be careful. Do the research into the area you want to do open water swimming in before you just go jump in. Uh, you know, there are areas that are more safe. Um, I swim uh, Southern California, uh, and the beach that I go to frequently doesn't have, like, the mo- We There have been uh, one or two si- sightings in the history of the beach of, of um, hammerhead sharks. And hammerhead sharks are can be dangerous, but there are no fatal attacks ever recorded of a hammerhead shark. So it's also times of the year that you have to be more careful. So do the research if you're doing an open water swim in the ocean. Obviously, lakes you don't have to worry about as as much, but you do have to worry about cleanliness, something that Cameron mentioned as far as yeah, if there are algae blooms yeah. or something like that. So um, Also, be be careful near Amity, Amity Beach. Um, we all know what happens there. <laughs> That's right. We're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> um, okay, two more things to cover really quick. We're running short on time, so let's just hit them really quick. Um, this one, I'll go to Cameron first. Um, Cameron, Lissa, a few of the jobs that people might be able to get if they have some swimming skills. Uh, well, first one, if you're fairly proficient, I would say a lifeguard. Yeah. Um, as a lifeguard, that can be broken up into several different categories. Like you can be a open water lifeguard, uh, which actually takes more training. Um, you could work at a water park, um, which also takes additional training over your basic lifeguard skills or at swim pools. Um, other proficient um, things if you're at swimming, um, you could be a swim instructor, uh, teach other people how to uh, swim and or dive um i'm trying to think what other things um you if you have a watch what star and bay watch that's uh yes star and bay watch um always always good for our 90s children to remember bay watch right. um <laughs> could be so, a uh, mermaid at a theme park there you go you could be a mermaid um other things uh, if you have another skill, you can sometimes join swimming or scuba diving, like with welding. Um, underwater welders get paid oh, a yeah, ridiculous um, <laughs> amount of money. I think it's like 150 to $200 an hour for underwater welding. Wow. Um, so, yeah, things yeah, to think multiple, about. Yeah, if you, if you have multiple skills, yeah. I mean, um, surf, they're a surf instructor. You know, if you're a surfer, you, uh, that obviously surfers have to be proficient in swimming. And, and so you can be a surf instructor. You can be a surf professional. You can be, obviously, you can be an Olympic star like Michael Phelps. There's a, you know, there's a one in a billion chance that you could uh, be that as well. And then you can get more money from endorsements. That's right. <laughs> um, you know what, guys? Just, just throwing this out here while I'm thinking of it. We need a movie where an underwater welder has to fight off a shark attack with his underwater welding tools. Hmm? That'd be cool. 
Yeah, um, go ahead and get that. One of those straight that. straight to video. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I think Netflix might pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't insult my idea. <laughs> Um, other other options, so realistically, uh, you could be a swimming coach if you get to be competitive. Um, uh, so that's an option. But yeah, like Cameron said, so there's also uh, managerial positions, uh, managing swimming pools, managing um, uh, water parks, those types of things. So that those don't necessarily yeah. require as many swimming skills, but certainly some familiarity with, uh, with swimming would be helpful. Let, let me throw this out here. I think a more likely scenario for most of our listeners um, I, most of us aren't going to parlay any swimming seals into any kind of pay, but you should still look into it because swimming, even if you're not getting paid for it, is a great way to exercise. And, and you're jumping my last fit. point. Oh, um, you pipe down. All right. <laughs> sorry, I just looked at the script and got excited. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, honestly, before we hit that last thing, the, the, if you can get your swimming skills up to a certain point, you really have uh, achieved um, a, a, a skill set that, that, um, that is a large barrier to entry for certain jobs that can pay pretty well. So lifeguard and swimming lesson instructor are jobs that pay, I mean, they're, you're not going to get rich, but they pay pay pretty well as far as uh, jobs that you can do whether in high school or in college um yeah, that, hourly jobs yeah and and those are things that that are you know, because you need a cert- certification and a skill set for people don't often spend the time and so if you take the time and do that you can uh, you know have pretty much a guaranteed job at a rate that's pretty good so at a job where you can just sit around you know it's kind of oh, yeah. nice well, emt is another one that you would probably be good to have some swimming skills um, rescue or, swimmer, yeah, or rescue or swimmer, seal. National Guard. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so the last thing to touch on here is, um, like said, Tim said, general point is why why should we swim? Like, what what exactly are we going to get uh, if I all of these uh, jobs don't appeal to you? Different strokes don't appeal to you. You don't like the idea of going uh, open water swimming. Why do I need to swim? So, Tim, I'll let you go now. All right, so. I hate running. I hate it, hate it, hate it. I'll, I'll run for sports, and I love sports, but can't stand running. It's just, I don't know. But um, so my favorite way to get like aerobic exercise is to swim. And part of it is that is because I can get a full body workout. It works me out fast, so I don't have to go out and do it for, you know, like, you know, a long time or as long as running takes usually. And so anyways, I like that. And it's just something different. It's kind of, you know, it's more novel than running. Oh, I'm going to go and run a mile. You know, if that excites you, then good for you. But it doesn't excite me. But um, if I, you know, go, go into the pool and swim a few laps, that's uh, I would look forward to that a bit more. Not that I'm like, you know, some eager swimmer. So so first, it's just a good source of exercise. It's full body and it's low impact, you know. If you have back problems, if you have knee problems, shoulder problems, or, you know, even injuries or whatever, you can swim, get still a real rigorous workout without um, exacerbating a lot of that stuff. So there's my plug. Okay. Um, I, I would I would definitely second that. Um, just 
just throwing that out there for you, Tim. Also, most people do actually have to swim for a little bit of time to get into that aerobic feel to for a good workout. And but if you're really out of shape like me, it only takes a couple of minutes till you're totally exhausted. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> Uh, but I would definitely also agree with um, a lot of um, physical therapists and stuff often uh, send people to the pool to do um, workouts um, because um, you have a um, your less weight on your joints. It does help with that. Um, I mean, when you go to pools in the morning, you see I mean, you see people into their 90s doing like water aerobics and stuff you know because it's it's healthy it's good for them that you're doing i mean you see people doing that and swimming so it can definitely be a lifelong sport whereas sometimes running you do i would say hit a certain point um there was a a gentleman that used to swim at a pool that i worked at um he loved running more than i would think life itself sometimes (laughs) And, uh, but he loved it so much. He has destroyed his, his legs, his knees, his hips. Like he has like no cartilage and the doctor basically says, uh, you got to stop. So, uh, what his way to kind of weigh around it is he puts on a flotation belt and he just runs in the water or swims just so he can kind of keep, just keep that workout thing. But, you know, they're, they're definitely, um, puts a definitely hurts your body more for running versus than swimming. Um, not that you can't get injuries from swimming. Right. Cool. Yeah, that's, I think those are great points. Um, so the last one, I think that, uh, kind of touched on, but just to underscore that, you know, water is, uh, ubiquitous. Uh, it is, you know, bodies of no, water. No, that's stop making these <laughs> Harry Potter professor references. <laughs> Professor, Professor Ubiquitous. <laughs> uh, right. And she's all. She's everywhere. <laughs> um, yes. So, so pools, uh, lakes. Uh, you know, there's all these water covers seventy one percent of the earth. Like I said before, so it's it's uh, it, you know it's it's there. And if you aren't comfortable with it, it you it's dangerous it can be dangerous at least um and so you're also closing yourself off from potentially enjoying it as well but the danger aspect can't be ignored Uh, there's something like 3,500 fatal drownings every year just in the united states and while you might think those are kids the fact of the matter is it's only one in every five drowning is a kid so oh wow most people that drown are actually young adults to adults um and so uh, you have to be able to uh, swim um, in order to uh, avoid that for yourself and be able to help other you know, families, friends, uh, if you ever get in that situation. Because you know, like I said, you're, you're around it all the time. Pool parties, if you go to the beach for so a day. Are, are we throwing this statistic as accidental deaths or deaths overall? So these are uh, accidental deaths. Okay. Right. I was just curious. Yep. Are you just thinking like, you know, the mob, like drowning victims, like, would that be included in a statistic or not? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly gonna, what I was thinking. Put on your cement shoes and toss you in the East River. <laughs> Unintentional drownings is the statistic, actually. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, because swimming is good for you, see? Right. 
So, you know, regardless of, of your your proclivity for swimming or your uh, your interest. Hey, if you name one more Harry Potter professor, <laughs> I am going to just hang up. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, I recommend that you take the time, you know, go get some adult swimming lessons. Um, go, or if you're a parent, get your children some swimming lessons. If you're a child listening to this, tell your parents to get you some swimming lessons. Uh, become proficient, become... Uh, capable and you know it, it really does open up a whole world um, and, and if you're not listening to this ask your parents and no one else what proclivity means it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, not no longer a g-rated podcast um, uh, I would also say for uh, the kids out there even if your parents are poor swimmers it might be good uh, a good way to say to them hey look I know that you guys don't swim well um, I want to learn so then you're not as afraid when we go to the pool, you know, or with my friends and stuff like that. You know, I'll be more safe. For sure. Yep. So, um, hope this has been a useful podcast. And uh, go go jump in a pool. And uh, well, unless you go jump stop, in a lake, then don't. <laughs> and we will see you back again next week. <laughs> <laughs>